0: Hello and welcome to Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025 The Game, Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Kenny, first time in a long time we got Kenny so back I'm with us. I'm back. back, He's got his Woodson jersey on, I like it. Yes, Lord. I like it so much. <laughs> yes, Lord. Man, have you seen, Kenny, have you seen all the stuff that Charles Woodson's doing with his own wine and everything? No, I haven't. He if- he's a brand.
1: You know what? He's a Michigan man, so yeah, he's he supposed is. to be. So yes.
0: he is a brand.
1: <laughs> I love it. Yes, you better know.
0: It. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, we through an accident and everything. We all three of us made it to the studio somehow.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: Going might all have, whichever way. Might
1: have cut it a little bit closer over on this end, but I made it. <laughs> but, but we made it. We hope
0: everyone's okay and everything, too. It was a pretty mm-hmm. serious accident on Murfreesboro Road. Be careful out there. We appreciate you tuning in. And uh, we, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about last night, but overall, the Preds has been doing pretty well, aside from <clears throat> last night. Mm-hmm. But this is the thing that stands out to me. That's three games in a row where six goals by a team have been scored. Mm-hmm. Someone really needs to not get to the the third six. <laughs> <Last night. laughs> it's a little... yeah. <clears throat> no. You shut it
1: down before then.
0: Let me shut that down. But there's so much that has happened since just our show last week in terms of records being set, mm-hmm. Philip Forsberg, and in terms of the trade deadline. Philip Forsberg
1: (laughs) (laughs) and also Philip Forsberg
0: and then just a defenseman on fire Roman Yossi who's Mm -hmm. not Philip Forsberg but it's it's a very interesting situation the Predators are in right now in terms of performance because Glenn I cannot remember a time since following this team pretty much just day one i mean i was still a kid back Mm -hmm. then but obviously this expansion era and then finally the playoff era and everything like that which you can you know read in my book the making of smashville
1: Uh, nice nice yeah Yeah.
0: but in that era and then throughout uh, there's never been a time really where the predators have had this type of offensive output yeah you had scoring pushes before with arvidson and forsberg and and things like that when arvidson set the franchise goal record which 34 it's it's crazy to think that that was the 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 record
1: that was the big number that was the the, the big
0: number because that's where the predators have been they haven't been offensive powerhouses and now when there's still just under 20 games remaining in the season Mm -hmm. a new record already has been set and should completely surpass that i mean uh, barring something weird there should be a 40-goal score for the first time ever for the National Predators. And mm-hmm. there could be two with Forsberg and Matt Duchesne. And so the offensive output from those two, plus a rookie like Tanner Janel and Ryan Johansson, and, yep. and then you have Roman Yossi putting up crazy offensive numbers and everything, too. It's it, I'm not used to going to the National Predators page and looking at stats and seeing that much production and it just shows how much the team has changed overall and especially under head coach John Hines mm-hmm. that these guys are finding a sweet spot in order to produce right now
1: yep they are and like you said it's you're noticing a change in the team but you're not necessarily noticing a change in these players these are a lot of the players that have been here for years you're just finally seeing them maximize their potential and their productivity is finally starting to show so it shows that for a very long time oftentimes you 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 heard people say like, well, the Preds just need that one, just offensive, they just need this dynamite to come in. We just got to get that one guy, that one forward. (laughs) And as it turns out, there were a lot of those key pieces already here. The system just wasn't working in their favor or they weren't playing well into the system or whatever the case may be, but we're finally starting to see it. And like we've talked about before, we're seeing it all at the same time for multiple players. Mm -hmm. That's rare. You can you can have a season or two where you see one or two players, you know, lights out, wild, crazy season, but you're seeing them consistently, their productivity, it's, just, it's consistent across the board with multiple players. And that's what's fascinating to watch is that we kind of watched it all unfold in one season for so many people that had been here for a while, but it's like a light switch happened for a lot of them.
0: <laughs> for real. And I mean, let's start off with, with Matt Duchesne. Mm -hmm. And what he's been able to accomplish. I mean, he's had two 70-point seasons. Uh, The first one was in 2013-14 with Colorado. And then split it between Ottawa and Columbus at 58 points with Ottawa. And then Columbus had 12 points uh, in 18-19, combining for 70 points. He's at 66 right now in 60 games. There's no reason why he shouldn't break that instead of a new career record. Which, when you think how long, Matt Duchesne's been in the league since 2009-10.
1: Oh wow. That just hit me. <laughs> and it was a, that was
0: that was a first full season which uh-huh. was right off the bat. I mean, he didn't have any like half seasons or got a yeah. call up or anything. He paid 81 games in 2009-2010 and had 55 points. That's a pretty good rookie year. Oh yeah. Matthew Shane followed it up with 67 points in 11 uh 10 and 11. So to think 13 years later he could be setting a career high. Yeah. It it shows just what he's been able to accomplish when you put him with a guy like Philip Forsberg, and you put as him well. in the right
1: spot. When you put a player in the right spot on the right system, I'm that is click. the age old story of you know a dynamite player goes to a team and they just can't figure it out, and people are just stunned that it's not working.
0: Mm-hmm. And you
1: go ship them off to a different team, and they're phenomenal.
0: And Mikhail Granlund,
1: let's mm-hmm. lo- let's look at
0: him. I mean, he had. Two sixty-five plus point seasons in sixteen, seventeen, and 17, uh, 18, uh, 69 and sixty-seven respectively. So this should be his best offensive outputs in over five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's at forty-eight points right now. Could definitely get to the fifty-five point mark, maybe even sixty if he really gets on a hot streak. Has a couple multi-point games there too. Mm-hmm. That's great for him to really get into that rhythm the way he has. Now let's go over to Philip Forsberg. First of all, the Nashville Predators have three players at more than a point per game pace. That's what that is. What just blows my mind because we're not used to that here. That's that's why we're making such a big deal. We're used to maybe maybe there being one player that's close to that pace, but to have three players fully past point per game pace is a different kind of – it's a different ev- evolution of Nashville's offensive production. Other teams are like, okay, that's, that's no big deal. Yeah, you're but when you're not to used
1: to it here and it's happening for multiple players, yeah. it's –
0: Philip Forsberg, he's had 64 points a couple times in his career, and he's at 63 right now. So he is definitely going to set a new career high when it comes to points, not in, not in just goals. I mean, 35 goals are right now the new franchise record. And then let's go to the big one when it comes to points. Roman freaking Yossi, 78 points <laughs> in 62 games. And th- this is what I wanted to to look at. I tweeted out yesterday about the where Roman Yossi is in terms of production in a regular season. If somehow, some way potentially he gets to ninety two points overall. I mean, he's really close. He, he has fourteen mm-hmm. points to go in eighteen games, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's totally achievable for Roman Yossi given the amount of the
1: pace that he's been Three on.
0: plus yeah. three point games that he's had. Yeah. If he gets to 92 points, that will put him 23rd in most points by defenseman in a season. Now, that's that, when you think about all the defensemen all the time, the only players above Roman Yossi at that point, if he gets to 92, the only players would be Bobby Orr six times mm-hmm. above 92 points, Paul Coffey seven times <laughs> above 92 points, Al McInnes once, Brian Leach once, Felix Potvin three times, Phil Housley once, Ray Bork three times. Every single one of them is a Hall of Fame player. Mm. So if he gets to that, the company that he'll be in in terms of single production in a single season puts him up there with Hall of Fame players. Yep. He's on pace to do that and just what he's accomplishing so far this season is phenomenal and tremendous and that's what I wanted to put that out there is that that's the company he's in with the kind of production he's having. But the thing is, he already, he has forwards that are also helping produce for this team. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the important part there. It's, it's not just him producing for this team. Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne are right up there mm-hmm. in terms of production to help lead this team. He's given
1: an opportunity for a guy like Roman Yossi to yeah. be able to go be an offensive defenseman. To
0: rack up those assists and yep. everything, too. But that's the kind of caliber of season that Roman Yossi's having, that he's going to be in in the talks of Bobby Orr, Paul Coffey, Al McInnes, Brian Leach. Felix Potvin, Phil Housley, and Ray Bork.
2: <laughs> that's that's the wild.
1: I didn't see your tweet. That's like, I mean, we all know, we all know how how great he is. But when you put it like that, and you still have people saying, "Well, I just don't know about the Norris this year."
0: <laughs> and that's just ninety two points, which yeah. he's on pace to pass that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So
0: he's on pace to even get above that and maybe be even top twenty
1: mm-hmm. all
0: time points by defenseman in a single season. And you just think of how many seasons there have been. <laughs> and how many defense, great defensemen there have been, that's not just who led that's the league. Impressive. I mean, you yeah. could have a couple defensemen maybe have more than that many points in a, in a single season. Mm-hmm. This is not just who won that season of defensemen scoring. This is any defenseman, anytime, any time, any record-keeping of the NHL. Mm-hmm. So that he could be top 20.
1: I love that you presented this, Justin, because you know I've said on the show that we always just – we don't take it for granted, I don't think, in Nashville, how great he is. But oftentimes we – in conversation, it's like, well, oh, Roman Yossi, of course. Yeah, he's great. Everybody knows yeah. he's great. And you don't really go in-depth about how great he is. So that actually puts a – yeah, and that puts put it in perspective. It in
0: perspective. And to think, too, that the, he has offensive help in the forward unit. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's the only one producing. That's why the Predators are in this position to where they could finish as high as second in the division. It's a, it's a tight race, folks. You all know that. But at 78 points, Romagnosi is seventh in scoring right now in the league. Defenseman, Romagnosi, seventh in the league. And when you think about it, the, the way it spans at 78 points, he's only four points away from fourth overall. So, and somebody did ask, well, should he be in heart conversation, discussion? Like, if he gets to, like, fourth, I think if he's fourth or fifth Mm -hmm. overall in scoring, he absolutely should. Right now, when you look at how people are going to present it, no. Even though he should be. But I'm trying to look at it from a perspective of nationally what are people going to think. But if you see Roman Yossi break that top five – an overall scoring for the league, he 100% should not just be Norris, but she be, be in the in conversation. The conversation as well. Not yeah. to say he would get it, but he should at least be in the conversation. Just like for a point in time especially, Tanner Jeanneau, even though I want to say cooled off, but he's because he's keeping up with goals, but not necessarily as much as points, be in the conversation. Yeah, and that's completely
1: unbiased from Nashville. It's from a national Trying. perspective. When you get to that <laughs> point, that's true though. When you get to that point and you start to recognize, like you said, in the top five, I mean, you can't not – Right, put him at least in the talk. Right, right?
0: absolutely. When he's when a defenseman's scoring like that, and the thing is too, he has other stats to back that up. And I know really, Willie Donick mm-hmm. tweeted it out in terms of zone entries and mm-hmm. zone exits as well leads the league like, for what clean else zone do you? entries what? and exits. Out of this guy, <laughs> yeah, a, for a puck moving defenseman, it's not yeah. just that. And then before we go to break, some person who's obviously not from Nashville came at me and was trying to talk. Yeah, well, Kale McCarr's plus minus is way better than you. If you come at me with plus minus. <laughs> you need to sit your butt down. You do not belong in this conversation. Plus minus. Get out of here. Get out. Plus, plus minus stats to and say who's better. And that's not saying that
1: Kel McCarr is not well, he's deserving too. and worthy of this, too. He's very Roman elite, Yosef but, better be winning but he right better now. be right up in there. Yeah. yeah. All
0: right. Up next, Michael Gallagher and the National Post going to join us. Let's talk about the trade deadline, what happened or didn't happen with Philip Forsberg, and so much more. Penalty Box Radio, ESPN, 1025 The Game. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Pensions, and uh. welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025 uh-huh, The Game. Yeah. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Kenny. Let's keep up the preds talk. Now we're going to talk Philip Forsberg and what did not happen on Monday. Joining us now, Michael Gallagher, Nashville Post. Welcome to the show, man.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. appreciate it.
0: So let's just get right to it. Uh, the talk all leading up to the trade deadline Monday was about Phil Forsberg. He's going to sign the extension or not. David Poe has been on these airwaves talking about how they're trying to get the conversation going and everything. We saw plenty of rumors about how Forsberg is not going to sign the extension, and it ended up that those rumors were true and obviously fans are sweating here now for what's going to happen come July when free agency starts or if they're going to get it done before then just Michael what's what's your overall take on the situation and how you've been seeing things play out here
2: yeah I mean my first thought is what a mess like the fact that we're what two three months away from the season ending and Philip Forsberg we still have no idea where he's going to be next year is just kind of baffling to me but I feel like you know I wrote about this I had a story on the post this morning about it you know all all of the you know, the momentum is in Philip Forsberg's court right now. David Poyle has next to zero leverage here. Forsberg probably wants nine, nine and a half million. And, he, you know, that you can debate whether he's worth that, but he's going to get that on the open market if, if he goes and tests free agency. And I think it's it's kind of, you know, a game of who blinks first. Does, does you know, David Poyle give in and give Forsberg the, the money that he wants, or does Forsberg kind of come down in his asking price? And I think – Ultimately, Poyle will probably cave. It's just how long is it going to take him to get there to come to terms with giving Philip Forsberg? You know, does he want to pay him as much or more than Roman Yossi, and does he want to give him a no movement clause? Which, you know, Yosi and Rene are the only two guys that have ever gotten that in, you know in franchise history. So, David Poyle, he's going to have to he's going to have to be uncomfortable giving you know a player something that he normally doesn't like to give out.
1: I'm going to play devil's advocate here, and let's just say we get to the point where. I mean, nobody wants to see this happen in Asheville. But Philip Forsberg is gone, and you get nothing in return, right? You basically lost him for nothing. Worst case scenario, I think for Pleds, for Preds fans here, what do you think that that could potentially do to the confidence level of this team? Right, like there's going to be a gaping hole left in this lineup, and I think I mean I think that would have to affect the confidence that other players have in the future of the organization so what are your thoughts on that if that pres- if that scenario presented itself
2: yeah no that's that's a very good question and I feel like if that happens you, you got to think Matthew Shane suddenly becomes the most popular guy in the Predators roster I mean mm-hmm. he's got 34 goals he's he could finish with 40 goals at the end of this year he's having his best statistical season right now Move him onto the wing you know keep him there going forward if that does happen, I don't want to be too overdramatic, but I feel like it could set this franchise back a while, not like a long time, but it will, it'll set them back a little bit in terms of attracting marquee free agents and kind of getting people to stay here because Philip Forsberg, other than Roman Yossi right now, is the face of the franchise. He's the best offensive player that, that this team has ever had, and if you can't convince him to stay here with the year they're having now, they're overachieving, probably going to make the playoffs you know no one thought they would be this good if you can't convince someone like Philip Forsberg to stay here then why would any other you know elite offensive player want to come here
0: I mean, you're making a good point again Michael Gallagher National Post joining us here on Penalty Box Radio let's talk about the positive <laughs> aside from that right there and look at just the production that we are seeing out of Matt Duchesne and Philip Forsberg and I know people it, them two playing together on a line has just been absolute fire here of late what have you noticed what, what changes out there is it just two elite guys now that, are, that find that rhythm or is there something that changed in terms of the way they're playing the game what have you noticed to make it to where they're clicking so well together to where they're both in this race to see who scores the most goals this season
2: yeah and, and, I mean we thought the very first year Matthew Shane was here I think the second line was was Forsberg Granlin and Duchesne Forsberg and Duchesne for whatever reason they just have that natural chemistry together they feed off each other they know where the other is going to be they're very similar you know like-minded when it comes to you know their offensive skill and I think that really helps Forsberg knows what part of the ice Duchesne is going to be on and vice versa you put him out there with Ryan Johansson you have po- possibly your three best offensive players on the same line, and it's, it's just working. It's magic right now. I don't have the exact numbers. I was, I was looking up for my story. But I think the combination of Forsberg, Johansson, Duchesne, that line, statistically, is the best line the Predators have ever had. I think they're outperforming the Jofa line by like something like .35 goals per game and .42 points per game. So that is, you know, that's what's working. Keep them together. And if you're David Poyle, that's even more incentive to re sign Philip Forsberg because that top line has been so good. Like, I, d- I just don't see how you can move forward and not keep them all together.
0: Another good point there. Okay. Another one we discussed in the first segment Roman Yosi. There's been, obviously, plenty of discussion because things have come out when it comes to like l- l- people that cover the league in general and putting Cale McCarr at the top, even though Roman Yossi accomplishing all these fantastic feats this season and pulling away in terms of the points lead as a defenseman. But not just that, but being a defenseman as well and playing that role. Your, your take on Roman Yossi and what do you think it's going to take for more folks nationally to recognize that Roman Yossi should probably be the leader in terms of Norris Trophy votes right now?
2: I mean, I, I don't know what more the guy can do. I mean, I, I was joking with you on Twitter. When you listed out all the stuff, all the great accomplishments, how he's on pace for an all-time season for a defenseman, and yet the NHL.com staff still has Kale McCarr ahead of him. I, I want the names and the phone numbers and the email addresses of every one of those writers <laughs> that sits there and is going to tell me right now that Cale McCarr is a better defenseman than Roman Yossi. I don't buy it. And I, I wonder if, if they're all just Colorado Avalanche fans, like, I just I don't understand it. Roman Yossi, this shouldn't even be a discussion. Roman Yossi is far and away the best defenseman in the NHL right now, and there's no argument you can give me for anyone else that that even comes close to him. He's on track for hundred point season. He's going to break the all you know uh, Paul Kariya's single season points record. You know, there's just you can go on and list his accomplishments for days. Honestly, he should be getting more. I think he should be getting more. You know, talk in, in the heart conversation, like if you take Roman Yossi away from this Predators team, where would they be? They would probably be battling it out with, with the Coyotes right now for just no. for how <laughs> mediocre they would be. So I just I, there there is no argument. Roman Yossi is the best defenseman in the NHL right now, period.
0: All right. So now, looking overall at the standings, you know we're getting close. It's for the Predators, 18 games left in the regular season. There's a couple other teams there, battling it out for wild card. What, what do you think else this team needs to do to secure their spot in the playoffs? Uh, it's a tight race, obviously, too. And what do you think right now, in your point of view, would be one of the best matchups? Aside from, obviously, I don't think anybody wants to play Colorado. What team do you think they match up best within a best of seven right now in the West?
2: Yeah, I mean, that, that's an interesting question as well. You, you Obviously, you don't want Colorado at all. If you can avoid playing them and hope someone upsets them, that's obviously the best-case scenario. I, I And, you know, Gover and I talked about this a little bit. Colorado, or, uh, Minnesota, their goaltending was very shaky. They go out and they they get flurry. That makes it a little bit interesting. He He's clearly an upgrade in goal, but I still think Minnesota's probably, probably match up the best of them in the first round. And as far as what they need to do to kind of get to the playoffs and you know, with a few games that are remaining, stay healthy. We look at how beat up that blue line is. I mean, Mark borvieski took a, a pretty bad hit last night. You know, Matt Benning was placed on IR. Philip Myers apparently is so bad he's been relegated to the AHL. It's a good thing they went out and they traded for Jeremy Lozon because you don't really, you know, I don't think anyone feels comfortable, you know, throwing Ben Harper out there, Matt Tennyson. Jeremy Lozon is now looking like a pretty good transaction. You, you got to keep your defenseman healthy. Soros has been playing out of his mind should be you know in the, in the best of the conversation as well you look at Roman Yossi and Forsberg and Dushane and everything I think you just got this is one of the years where I, I think it's kind of stayed the course is the best is the best course of action there
0: hey that makes sense all right well Michael we appreciate your time man thanks so much for joining us
2: yeah thanks for having me on Justin
0: all right the folks Michael Gallagher of the National Post you can follow him on Twitter at MGSports underscore uh, there you go all right some good points right there just kind of Holding on and piling on for for the Norris right there for Roman Yossi. I oh,
1: know, and just it's wait. like I said in the first in the first segment. What else do you want from this guy? Wait <laughs> to see if there's just
0: any any spicy takes from Colorado fans. I mean, they're both elite. It's okay to have oh, more than sure. one elite defenseman out there. Just Roman better. All right. <laughs> Up next, had a good conversation with some of the executives from the National Predators uh, organization today, including Sean Henry, Michelle Kennedy, and Bill Wicket. We're going to talk about that and go ahead and answer a couple questions as we continue to roll in with Penalty Box Radio. ESPN 1025 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025, The Game. Justin Bradford, Lynn Blackwell, producer Kenny. I missed you. I missed you, Kenny.
1: I missed you guys, too. I I swear. You've been
0: around. I've, like, waved at you and everything, so you've been doing other things. Yeah, I know,
1: right, but it's not the same. It's not the same. I know. Really? I was was so stressed on the drive over here, and then I walk in, and I saw your smiling face. When you came in, you were smiling and made me smile. <laughs> yeah, because he wasn't smiling when he <laughs> and arrived. I, and I, was, I promise man. you I wasn't smiling when That's I was running up those, the steps. Whole... I, was, yeah. I wasn't smiling when I was running up those steps either.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so th- today, and it, this is one of those things that happened they, they do at least once a year, and it's great, the National Predators invite some members of the media to come and kind of do like a state of the organization ad- address, but more like a Q&A session with Sean Henry at the bat signal right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Michelle Kennedy, uh, chief operating officer. And then Bill Wickett, the chief marketing officer, just to talk about what's going on and give us a, a chance to, to ask some questions about what's going on with the organization. A lot of times it's off ice things that are going on business things. So it was like me, I was there. The natural business journal was there. NHL.com. John Glennon was there. Alex Doherty from a to Z and, uh, and Sean Smith from On the Forecheck, we're all there, too. Just a chance to sit down and ask questions. I'm
1: excited to hear about this because I wasn't there, so.
0: Well, let's, let's start off with something fun e funny, funny. Oh, I love funny. So sitting down there and folks coming in, Sean Henry comes in, and uh, folks, <laughs> most of you that listen to the show often know the relationship that Mr. Henry and I have. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, I, I did. I, I think I waved fast enough when he entered the room. Have mm-hmm. to you know acknowledge his presence mm-hmm. because his or presence deserve yeah to, deserves to be acknowledged mm-hmm. and like hi Sean.
1: Have to stand up. Yeah, read him properly.
0: And so he sits down and then before anything gets started, before anything gets started, he has to make sure the entire group knows the sloshy bucket poop bucket story.
1: <laughs> he told everyone that he
0: told the entire <laughs> group the story, especially what happened at the Mexican restaurant. Oh.
1: Oh, I adore Sean. Where where I
0: didn't recognize him because I was beelining to our table, and then he had a bucket delivered to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he made sure that that, that was told. That in case
1: everybody missed that, yeah. they know now. It's been like
0: the first five minutes of his media availability <laughs> telling what happened, and Michelle Kennedy's face just like, is that real? Did that really happen? I'm like that all really happened. Sean did not exaggerate any of that. I really did that at Magic Kingdom okay, at this Walt Disney is my World, life. and he really did troll me at a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> yes, that all. Oh, that's happened.
1: fantastic! What a way to kick <sighs> off the.
0: What a way to kick it off!
1: What yeah, I was about much. to call the media event. That was it. Yeah, no, yeah. that was
0: it. But but if anything, just want to kind of on what happened because there's so much that was covered what some of the main things i was interested in too is like uh what was discussed in terms of the 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 new lease the 30-year lease when they signed it back in 2019 this was right before the pandemic so if for those of you that might remember they signed a, a a lease with metro they're going to be there for another 30 years. Bridgestone Arena, that the arena is going to be of the National Predators, and that they're taking over everything. So any other upgrades, things like that are going to be there. My question was, if if you remember, that they had – Plans like future plans like these are the dream plans to where the rehearsal hall, which is the big cone you see coming out from the back of the arena by the sober entrance, turning that into a rink or out- outdoor area for eating everything. To have a high rise at Five Hundred One Broad at the other corner of the the off main offices entrance to to make uh, more off more shops and retail and restaurants along the entire side to make it a concourse mm-hmm. similar to like what you see at Little Caesars Arena in Detroit. The concourses are huge, so. All these things, press, press, press box, adding more seats, going bigger, making the arena bigger. So, just want to get an update on that because obviously, a pandemic happened and there wasn't as much money coming in. And so, I can understand if things get delayed. It's
1: Absolutely. It,
0: I mean, Disney, who's a bill, multi billion dollar company, as Ben Delane rides and everything, Tron, please open Tron for the love of God. <laughs> open Tron. It's been five years. Velocity coaster can open at Universal. You can open Tron. Anyways.
2: God. <gasps> God. <gah.
0: laughs> <laughs> but but I just wanted an update on that, and everything's still kind of according, going according to plan. and Those were big dreams, and that's what John made clear is that that wasn't something we had a timeline that we wanted to get this done by this time. That was what we want to do in the future because there's, they're going to be there for a long time. What they can do you with can the downtown area, that work towards in that, that year period, yeah, absolutely. and consistent upgrades. And we know when you think too, especially what's happening with the Titans right now with Nissan Stadium and how they calculated the cost of renovation versus building new that's going to be. They say it's going to be cheaper. To build new. To build new and be Mm -hmm. better to build new instead of putting a billion dollars in to renovating. Just build new. And they want to build right next to it in the parking lot and then flip it Uh (laughs) and reverse it. (laughs) (laughs) I was
1: about (laughs) to start singing Missy Elliott. I I know. Yeah, yay, yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. We're we're, we're on the same track here. But it's one of those things when you think about the location for both those stadiums. I mean, they're in perfect locations right across with the pedestrian bridge for the the, the Titans. And then downtown. Downtown would not be what it is without Bridgestone Arena. Mm -hmm. I mean, think back. A long t- those of you that have been unicorns
1: mm-hmm. in Nashville,
0: think back to the mid-90s of what downtown Nashville is like. And then arena gets built, starts attracting some more events. It took a long time to get premier events, I mean, especially when Sean Henry and Jeff Cogan came. That's when you started seeing premier events really, really start happening there. But
2: mm-hmm.
0: how it started building up around there that was the, the peak thing that happened. It would not be the same. So you can't imagine... The Predators playing anywhere else,
1: oh, like that's gonna be that's
0: not. gonna be their Madison Square Garden is what yep. Bridgestone Arena is going to be, and so they always have to continue to improve. And one of the things too they discussed is they added more 5G capability inside, mm-hmm. you know, because just like if you get a certain shot, you get 5G, uh, but. <laughs> <laughs> but, but they did a lot of these things and a lot of improvements continuing to go on even through the pandemic continuing to add to the capabilities the wi-fi capabilities continue to improve those things for free, smash for free wi-fi so fans have the ability to connect mm-hmm. throughout the games and that's gotten better especially since when it first launched continue to get better and better and those, that was kind of the main focus of what i wanted to know is like, what's what's happening yeah <laughs> what's happening and how they had to handle these different events and it was very curious uh during the pandemic that. They were kind of flying on the cuff with trying to think of things of so how they could be involved. It was mm-hmm. kind of he- that's why I like these events because they're more laid back and how they can be more real with talking about these things too. Like we just wanted to be a base for people of of some sort of joy and how to how they made the the games happen to be a game like atmosphere. And not even realize well maybe the players want to hear a PA announcer and, and music and everything too for the game atmosphere even if their mm-hmm. fans can't be in there. All these little things too. And but the thing that stuck out the most and yeah this is on the record, okay <laughs> I <think> for, <laughs> when I know season ticket holders are going to be getting their renewal packages coming in mm-hmm. but the big thing for playoffs is they're expecting playoff tickets to be twenty percent cheaper
1: oh oh
0: and with very minor increases for season ticket packages going yeah. forward, but that's going to be they want it to be more a little more affordable for season ticket holders that's fantastic. going into the playoffs and then grow from there because obviously things have been. Interesting.
1: That's something I've always appreciated about this organization since I first became a season ticket holder in 2011, was that they always made it about the fan experience outside of the game. Right. You always felt like you were a part of something, even when there wasn't a game going on. Right. Um, And I love that they have opportunities for you to go hear conversations like this today that are outside of the game because you want to know what's going on. The Nashville Predators, yes, they are why so many of us go to Bridgestone Arena, but there's just so much more that goes into it besides just the on-ice product that we get to see and that we pay to see. Um, And so I love that you have that opportunity to have those conversations because they are important. Yeah. I mean, you think about league-wide, not just the fans, but, I mean, there's people that work in the NHL. There's media that covers the entire league that when they experience something hockey-related in Nashville – they want to co- they want to come back every mm-hmm. single year, and there's a reason. Like you said, it would not be the same experience if Bridgestone Arena wasn't where it is. No, it wouldn't absolutely. be. Um, so I love that you had that opportunity to talk to them about that because it is exciting. And a lot of businesses, I mean, everybody had to figure out ways to adapt after when COVID happened. Everybody did. So they signed this lease in 2019, and then every everything changed. But yet they're still on, you know, they're still on the path. They still know what they want, and they have the 30 years to develop and get there. It's just – it's it's super exciting. And, I, I mean, is Oracle – is that still happening? Downtown Nashville on I, honestly, the river? I mean, I think that entire development is going to come up.
0: The East Bank, yeah. The,
1: and then you've got Nissan Stadium doing it. I mean, it's kind of unbelievable the growth that we're going to see here. Um, and to have the Nashville Predators and the Titans at the forefront of it, it's just – like, Ooh, let's I mean, just this get some area better transportation is options now. Exactly. <laughs> to get us in and out of there would
0: help. <laughs> and, and another question that I brought up, too, was when you think about it, Nashville SC getting ready to open up their brand-new stadium, mm-hmm. Geodas Park, and you have the Tennessee Titans, who are extremely competitive, you know, especially coming to the playoffs, expected. The expectation is to win a division. That's the expectation now. And it, it varies. It goes, it's cyclical. In the NFL, the cycle's a little bit faster than the NHL, but it's very cyclical in nature in terms of what the expectations are from fans. But you have Nashville SC, also playoff team. Two years, playoff team. New stadium about to open. There's lots of momentum as a sports city, not just as a hockey city, but as a sports town. Nashville has some excitement, momentum. And it's not, I asked, is it, it's not a competition. Right? We know it's not a competition because there's lots of community connection with these teams and how they connect with each other. And
1: they support each other. They support each other. And mm-hmm. I that's
0: what I wanted to know too is like what inspires that and, and why and, and everything. And it was a great question in terms of what their answer was is that, well that's the way we build because it, you take mm-hmm. the experience of so Sean Henry obviously has experience in Tampa, so does Bill Wickett. Mm-hmm. And think about what Tampa was like as a sports city twenty years ago before the Bucks mm-hmm. and the, the Lightning won their championships. It was awful. And that was one of the experiences that they had was get them together. Get these two teams to start going to each other's games mm-hmm. and see how that builds because fans recognize that. They recognize when other teams support other teams in the city. And you see that with Titans players Chugging beers, had a Predators game, Catfish and w- yeah, and, <laughs> over their <head>. and Predators <laughs> players going and spiking the sword into mm-hmm. the into the field at Titans games, and them recognizing that, and then obviously Nashville SC players coming to Predators games, and Predators players going to SC games, and and that community connection builds the fan base. Like that's what it's about. It's not just a, a, a win for the teams in general, but it's a win for the community because that's what you want to see. It's not you, want you don't that. want competition. You want to build a community, mm-hmm. and that's why they do it, because why not? Why wouldn't you want to do that? Because it gets everybody excited. It's just like Taylor LeJuan being at the the um, stadium series and riding the bus exactly. with them and getting he's the, the ambassador yeah. for the Titans to be a part of that with the Preds. You compete too. against
1: other teams in your league. Right. You don't, don't compete against your city. Yeah,
0: and, and it's good to see that because you, not every city has had that more mm-hmm. and more, you see, especially in the social media age, where teams are talking to each other a lot more, especially social media, communicate their admins are communicating with each other but you didn't always see that with all the different teams in different leagues even though they're in the same city now you see a lot more sense of community because it's just better for you it's better for branding it's better to make everybody be a winner because fans typically aren't a fan of just that one sport there's not just titans fans you have titans and predators fans you have nashville sc and predators fans there's so much crossover between these things that embrace it
1: it bridges that gap and it's just it's more fun that way it's I mean, everybody that, that lives way. here loves the city of Nashville, so you want them, you want to feel unified. You would think, yeah. And it provides that community. I know. You <laughs> <Yeah>. would hope. <laughs> you would hope. I mean, gosh.
0: <laughs> so, all right. But it was just it was—it was just good to hear that, and I uh, just appreciate them taking their time, because obviously- I love that. Executives mm-hmm. from an, an, a pro organization are always busy. they got stuff <laughs> to do, to go, and yeah, they make time to do. to do that.
1: Once again, yeah. they, they always take it outside the game, and they make you feel a part of something, and I love that.
0: Yeah, I'm part of a sloshy bucket story that's going to be someone's memory for life Never now. ending. Thanks. All right. Up next, we have plenty of <laughs> questions that came through just about the trade deadline about the situation happening in las vegas oh boy that's that's very interesting right there and and so much more that's up next penalty box radio espn one two five the game
1: I've been waiting for this moment. it's good to be alive right about now Woo-hoo!
2: Welcome back to
0: Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025 and Two Five. The game. <laughs> Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Kenny is jamming. Dan's and he's
1: dancing, Kenny Aww, behind the glass. Normally, Janet. normally I love to join Kenny dancing, but I'm I have a massive headache right now, and so I can only shrug my shoulders along with him. That's all good. I know you guys got a job to do. It's my job to make sure you work out before this. Yes, sir. You are our entertainment. I yes, love sir. It. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, we'll jump right into it. Just real quick, uh, trade deadline was the uh, National Predators did address some needs in terms of everything that people keep asking what do you think the Predators should address what do you think the blue line death and they did do that bringing in uh, Jeremy Lawson mm-hmm.
1: uh, but we also said that we would like for them to do it and not a spend a cost. second yeah. yeah
0: they spent a second round pick on that and so this is, this is the player does not decide what he is Valued as a general manager, there's nothing against Jeremy Laws. I think he's going to be serviceable in the role that he is going to play as a third pairing defenseman. uh, I mean, coming from Seattle, which was not a good situation to be in, just being a a true expansion team, not like what Vegas did. We'll get to that in a second. But a second round pick, just getting my opinion out here, no,
1: yeah, especially when (laughs) fourth, yeah, when you look around the league at trades that took place on other teams, they were, I mean, more established players being traded for fifth round, seventh round, third round being traded for much less. So it just makes me curious to know maybe what we're, what we're missing that the predators felt that he's going to bring enough value to willingly give up a second in a you know fairly decent draft year, so it's very yeah. interesting. Um, we got what we both said we wanted was a little bit on the blue line, but not at the cost. Right. You know, we wanted it to be a little bit less. And than. everything else was more <laughs>
0: just depth, and that was yeah. about it. The other good thing that happened is the Predators did sign their prospect, Yakim uh, Kondalik, to a two-year entry-level deal. He's been at University of Connecticut, uh, and so their season just ended. So now he's turning pro. He's been there for four years, had 33 points in 36 games this season uh, as the captain of the Yukon Husky. CW hockey so really good good for him he's a big boy and it'll be good to see him oh. <laughs> develop just as a power forward in the organization yep I, I <laughs> have to laugh because
1: whenever whenever somebody says like big boy I just think of like an animal because I call my cat big boy <laughs> and I just I just had this image of a, like a big, big. big boy I like him chunky <laughs> chunky <laughs> I can't be on air with this guy.
0: I think Moto Moto <laughs> likes you. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. Let, let's I let's can't. let's get to some questions here. <laughs> okay, uh <laughs> sorry. Oh boy. Okay. This one comes from uh, Jonathan. Do the Preds play to the level of the competition? Why are they having clunkers against crap teams? That is a very good question. And I mean they've had a couple of those uh, Seattle uh Gosh, that was that was the the biggest clunker right there. I think it just certain times teams will have a number.
1: They, and yeah. Seattle
0: had Nashville's number and this is it was a clunker against LA, but LA's not a bad team mm-hmm. as well they were on second hand of a back-to-back. Matias Ekholm came back and looked sluggish I think too because he missed the game against Anaheim with illness. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh goes out with injury, uh, Fabro whose Twitter account was hacked yesterday by NFTers, oh uh, out with injuries. So injuries are rolling, but that's where death has to come in. And I think what I'd liken this to is as long as clunkers don't stack up,
1: that's teams what, will have clunkers. That's what I think, too. And I think that, that I mean, in any 82-game season, you're going to just have crap games, whether the team you're playing against is great or they're terrible. No team is going to be exempt from that. I think that just what separates – the great teams from the decent teams is how quickly they let go of that loss and how they show up to the next game. And for the most part this season, this team has shown their ability to suffer an insufferable loss one night, and then they show up a (laughs) brand new team the next game. Um, So I think I would only be concerned if that continued, like you said, they continue to stack up. And if they Mm -hmm. continue to show up to the next couple of games after those clunkers and let the first period get away from them um but i think that this team this this year's team has shown that they're a little bit better about that but i think that's always been this strange phenomenon with this team is and it's not just the predators it's it happens why yeah. i mean people just sometimes you do play down to your competition whether you explain it like that the next day mm-hmm. or not so it does happen but it's how you bounce back
0: absolutely this one comes from becca uh discuss how many margaritas will we all consume in mexico in july <laughs>
1: Oh, my god! This
0: is for the the PBR on the road. So we have a road trip uh, coming up, but even though it's an air trip, with Pete Weber, the voice <laughs> of the National Predators. Pete Weber joining us in Cancun, and that's in mid-July. So take a break from the madness of free agency, because it'll be right after free agency. And which, I
1: think that determines how many margaritas oh people are going to uh, do. Yeah, <laughs> that totally is.
0: Uh, so hopefully the Philip Forsberg stuff is situated by then uh, mm-hmm. and everything. But July 17th uh, through to the 24th, 4 or 5. Or six or seven nights in Cancun, all inclusive PBR on the road.com. Pete Weber, he's going to be there. We're going to have story time with Pete Weber, so you, you need to join us uh, down there for that. Okay. From Sam Thoughts on the situation with Dadanov trade and is Vegas in trouble heading into the stretch run? So, for those of you who do not know, the NHL nullified Las Vegas's trade of Dadanov to the Anaheim Ducks. Because he was on the, – the, the team, Anaheim, was on his no-trade list in terms of the modified of where he could choose not to go. And they tried to trade him there, and it got nullified. Well, that was to clear up cap space because when you look at Vegas and where they're at, they don't have enough cap space to reactivate some of the players that are on their LTIR. That is an interesting, interesting situation for them to be in because when you think about some of the players they have, they have – Alec Martinez, four point eight million, and Mark Stone, nine million, on their LTIR. They only have four hundred five thousand dollars estimated in cap space. They cannot activate those guys till playoffs. Somebody replied, "Well, you know, cap space doesn't count. You know, we're about your salary cap in, in playoffs. So they have to make the playoffs first. Las Vegas currently is out of the playoffs." It is Nashville and Dallas that are the two wild cards, and Las Vegas is at 72 points. They're three points behind Edmonton, one point behind Dallas, six points behind Nashville. Vegas has already played 66 games. Dallas has played 62, so Dallas has four games in hand on Vegas. Edmonton has two games in hand on Vegas. Vegas is in a sticky situation. They're not comfortable right now. The only way they're able to get some of these players back is someone else has to go out on LTIR. Or they have to wait, like with like Tampa Bay had to do. That is a bad situation to be in and it's, it's coming terrible. to bite them back in the butt for them trying to circumvent the cap the way they have and they're getting what they deserve.
1: Yep. It's always gonna come back to you. So I mean that just it just looks bad. Yeah. You know, that looks that reflects really, really poorly on a team.
0: Yeah, it it really truly does. Uh can't ask how confident are you in the Preds making the playoffs I think the Preds are going to make the playoffs given the situation and the way they're playing they're going to have a clunker here or there but yeah they'll, I'm they'll make the playoffs.
1: In, I'm confident in what we've seen so far that they'll at least make it
0: yeah and I think that being the case too and seeing the situation where the Predators are in and how they're driving pretty well towards that that's bodes well for Forsberg wanting to re-up because he sees the team trending in the right direction
1: I agree and I also feel like if Poyle truly wanted, if he didn't feel like they were at least close to resigning Forsberg, then I feel like he would have done more at the trade deadline to try to fill that void if he yeah. didn't really think he was I going to hope. come back. So it's my hope that they both know that he's going to stay. It's just a matter of, you know, yeah. who caves first. And then <laughs> that's something that, you know just didn't think it was going to get to that point. I know. Oh, we boy. didn't, but we'll see. We'll all see. All right.
0: Well, sorry we didn't get to all the questions we had plenty to talk about. Appreciate you always for listening in, folks. If any other things you want to talk about, feel free to tweet us at Justin Bradford. she's at Rebecca Glenn and at Penalty Box Radio. So, for producer Kenny, Glenn Blackwell, this is Justin Bradford. Thanks so much for tuning into Penalty to Box Radio here in on ESPN 1025 The Game.